Welcome down to this week's episode of Pally Talks Golf, presented by SealGolf.com, sponsored by Drew's Golf Apparel. Check both of those beautiful companies out today. This week's episode is a special one. Um, I put it out on the social, on the interwebs, that it's one to listen to. It's a truly inspirational story. It came across my feed a couple of days ago, and I, and I reached out. I wanted to talk to, to Charlie himself and, and kind of share what I can and do my piece to, to get his GoFundMe page out there. Um, listen for yourself give me your feedback share his story share his link donate if you can roll it there collect listen we talking about practice Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry where's Joe Bradley what did he get at Tee it up, Charlie. I am indeed, yeah. Good man yourself. Yeah. Char- Charlie Gannon, where are you from? I'm from Castlebar, County Mayo. Well, I've nothing but good things to talk to, to, to say about the Mayo people I know. Um, yeah. Except for one fella who rides a bike, Danny Murray. Don't know, do you know him? He's dodgy out. Um, he listens sometimes, yeah. so there's a bit of a dip yeah. for you, Danny. <laughs> Can we, and I how, don't know him. How old are you, Charlie? I'm 24. 24. 20, 24 since last April. And I suppose we've put this together quite quickly, so thanks for your time, right? I know I know you're on a lunch break, and I'm always on a break. If, if, people, yeah. if people look at my, <laughs> my social media, people think, is this your full-time job? No, social media is not real, right? It doesn't happen in real time. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of those, a lot of pictures taken on the same day and spread across <laughs> weeks. Yeah, it's spread across a few months. Absolutely. But... Um, it was, I think it was actually one of your friends or maybe someone who shared your, your GoFundMe that got on to need to share it and, and I duly did and donated, of course. Um, and then I said, you know what, I, I'd love to talk to this man um, because it's quite compelling and the story of resilience is, is unnatural. Um, but generally I start this, these chats with what's your earliest memory of golf, Charlie? My earliest memory of golf, I'd say when I was about six years old, I was out in the Algarve out in Portugal, um, not a bad spot. Play. Not a bad spot. No, it's, it's certainly not a bad spot. No, uh, we used to go out there a good bit when we were younger. Uh, my dad used to play a good bit of golf out there. But the, my first memory, I'd say, was when I was caddying for him one day on the golf buggy and nearly killed everyone around me by nearly crashing the buggy. So that was probably my first time on the course. Um, but yeah, it's a lo- lovely spot, and uh, thankfully we still go out there on occasion as well to play to this day as well. So it's a good, it's a good spot. Smashing. And, and where did you play your golf, Charlie? We played in the two Kinter courses. You don't have to respond oh, to, respond uh, to that t- either. <laughs> <laughs> um, we played. We play usually in the two Kinter the Lago courses and the other one, the Laringel as well. Three, three lovely courses. Well, I've never been out there, but in Mayo, where where did you play in Mayo? Oh, in Mayo. Sorry, I play in Castlebar. And what, what's uh, that like? Castlebar, course? time to time. Castlebar is lovely now. They've done a couple of new renovations on the course as well. So, taken out a couple of the old holes and added in. I think maybe it's. Four four new holes, so I must they're in top top condition now as well. It's you probably wouldn't find it in many places across the country at the moment. I'll have to get up there. Maybe Daniel would give me a bar on the bike and then cycle me up. But, yeah, absolutely, uh, I'll I'll tee it up with you. Well, that's going to happen whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> either there or where I am, and, and we'll make it work. Um, you came across the radar because you, your friend shared your GoFundMe. Um, so you're 24 now, so 13 years ago, 2008. 
And it puts an age on me because I qualified in college mm-hmm. that year. So what happened in 2008, if you can tell everybody listening? Yeah, 2008, I was, uh, it was actually on Christmas Day. I was up in my cousin's house up in, up in White Cullen, County Galway. And I had, well, actually, I'd, I'd been out golfing on late Christmas Eve with my dad and just started feeling very weak even on Christmas Eve. So ended up walking in after about three or four holes and just felt a bit weak that evening as well. Now, not, nothing too major, just kind of a bit fluey. And went went up then the following morning up to my cousin's house up to up to Galway, and just started getting progressively worse then throughout the day on Christmas Day. I spent most of the day in bed then and that evening as well, again getting slightly worse as the hours were going on, and it just came to a point then it was later at the night maybe just after midnight, um, my parents just decided look we need to definitely get this checked so they brought me to the GP in my column. his name was Peter Hart, um, and it was about two or three in the morning. And he just examined the situation and unfortunately saw a couple of spots on my body, which set a few signals off in his head. And he gave me an injection and it was just there. I was diagnosed with uh, bacterial meningitis. And like I've no experience with meningitis um, or being like I, I had um, hypoadrenalism as a kid. Right. So I was on low on cortisone or whatever, but nothing in comparison to that. So like doctor's visits and whatever for the first like 10 years of my life every every couple of months but it kind of grew out of it but bacterial meningitis is not something you can grow out of is it no definitely not no it leaves scars there for that you'll never be able to get rid of unfortunately yeah it's just when you get a kind of an extreme case like that apparently what i was told is that it generally tends to spread you know everywhere throughout the body and certainly affected my arms and legs in, in a big way as well and um, over the coming months after that over the coming months, I didn't know it was that fast. Obviously, um, yeah, I was. Uh, I spent when I when I checked into hospital that day on Christmas Day up in um, Our Lady's Children's Hospital up in Crumlin. I spent seven months up there uh, in the burns ward, so I was just constantly getting dressings done on on my arms and legs, you know, because it had just affected it so badly. And just throughout that period as well, it was on St Patrick's Day of two thousand and nine. So it's just a couple of months later. That's they had done a couple of different surgeries to try and uh, prevent an amputation of my left arm, but it was on St Patrick's Day of '09 when they when they weren't able to save it. So they had got rid of it just below the elbow. Okay. Yeah, and that was down to pure down to you know skin issues that have just deteriorated so so badly. Right, and and then as a twelve year old, like how can you even take in that information? Yeah, well, that's the thing. That my first concern at that time was because I was I was on the Connacht team at the, at that time when I got sick um, for the for the golf, and it was just my first concern was when I woke up was w- would I be able to play golf again? So I had said it to the doctors, you know, what's the story? Are you able to play? Because I had never seen any because I was so young, I'd never seen anybody play one handed before. Hmm. So they just said, look, you 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 never know. You might be able to change your swing and and alter it that way. But I was certainly determined to try and try and get out there again because I just I was in the prime of loving golf so much you know playing with Connacht down a couple of times a week and it would have been completely devastating to lose it at that, that young age Absolutely and I suppose what what was the next couple of years like um, were you able to get back playing after a few months or, or what was that what was Yeah that like? it was I'd say I'd say it was about maybe about a year and a half after you know getting out I spent after the seven months in Crumlin I just went direct to uh the National Rehab Centre up in Dunleary as well for another three months. So it was about about a year before I got home, really, and, and got back to a small bit of normality. So I would say it was probably another year after that when I got swinging the ball. Um, 
you know, out on the course and that. I was doing a little bit of putting and stuff when my dad and brother would be playing, but wasn't swinging the ball for about, I'd say, two years. Okay. Like, and I know, yeah. I know growing up in the Hinch in junior golf, there was um, a young lad now who was born with, 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 with a partial arm missing, and he, like, Jesus, he was on... Um, for like Special Olympics teams and stuff and, and that was when we were like 10, 10 11, 12 about that same age that you are and, yeah. and like for years he kicked my ass you know <laughs> and I had yeah. all the limbs you know and, um, yeah. and and it's still competitive so what like as I as said like it's hard for me to fathom so I don't know how you as a, as a, as a middle teenager if you want to call it that was able to fathom it and have the resilience to get through it and what kind of kept you going in terms of, in, you know, because a lot of people just like, I, just, I don't want to go out and, and this type of thing. So how, how did you keep going? What was driving you from inside to go outside and, um, and to embrace new challenges? I think when the, when the hope was given to me, of you know, you might be able to play golf again, it certainly gave me a, a good bit of determination to be able to just say, well, geez, I'm going to give it a good go and see whether I'm able to or not and do everything I can to be able to at least give it a go. And if I'm not able to, I'll get on with it, but if I would be able to, you know, it'd be a huge bonus for me going forward for the rest of my life that I was able to play it. So that one was a huge driver for me in the beginning was to just prove those wrong and and definitely get out on the course and just say that I'm able to play golf again, you know, because I was certainly sick of going out caddying for the family here and there at the weekends and stuff and just watching them play, whereas me sitting on the sidelines. So that was a good uh, motivator for me, just watching them on the sidelines, definitely for a good while. You come across as like being super competitive and like super like performance driven. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, you would be. Yeah, sometimes it gets the better of me if I, if I lose a game. I might talk to you afterwards. <laughs> uh, and I suppose that was at like thirteen, fourteen, and I suppose that wasn't the end of it, was it? But did it? No. What was what was the prognosis then as you got older? It was just in and out for for different appointments, whether it's for, you know, hands or arms or legs or whatever it might be. It was just in and out maybe a couple of times a month up to Dublin. And And is that checking stuff or testing stuff or... Checking stuff. And I was in in and out a couple of years for for different operations. I had to take my fourth year out of uh, secondary school as well just for to undergo a kind of major surgery on my left knee. Okay. Um, To prevent... Do you know what what did it, in end happen down the line, which was the amputation? But this surgery was to, at the hope of preventing it. And um, so I just got a major surgery done. I was out out of action for another couple of months, and then unfortunately, then it was just that was I think it was around 2014, mm-hmm. and then it was 2018. It was when I was just finished my second year in college. It was just the the pain was too extreme and discomfort, and that was just causing on a daily basis. I was barely able to walk at times, so I was just there was no other option but to to get it amputated, the left one, and that was October 2018. So that's, and, and sorry if I come across like the wrong way. I don't mean to whatsoever, but like you, was it left arm, and then at that stage by 2018. Yeah, what, and then what, what had you taken? Yeah, it was left arm was 2009, and then. The below the left knee was uh, October 2018, so it was left arm and left leg were gone at that stage. Okay, and you were still like doing your thing and still. getting back playing golf and in school and in college. Yeah, I, t- I took a year out of college, so I, when I finished my second year, I was doing finance, commerce, and finance in college at the time. Yeah, and 
took my final year out, which would have been, say, when I got in for the surgery, which was October. I was supposed to be starting my final year then around that month. So I just said I'd take the year out rather than kind of slobbering in and out of college when I wouldn't be able to walk in and out. So took the year out and focused on the recovery. And thankfully, after you know a couple of months, I was up and walking at that by Christmas. And a huge one for me then to be able to get on with it and get moving again was I was actually able to go on my J1 that, that summer of June. Where'd you go? I went out to Chicago. Massive. So I went out with about 11 or 12 friends. So I was. And you all stayed in the same room? We did indeed. <laughs> Didn't have much room to store my prosthetics now, which was a bit of a, bit of a problem. But no, it was good crack now. Very good. And how did you get it? Like, how did you get around? Like, in terms of mobility, once you get start using a prosthetic, do you know what I mean? Like, and here's yeah. me thinking when I, when I fucking snapped my finger in a press, it was, it was hard going. Do you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. cop on, Paddy. Yeah. You know, so how, how did you, like, get around, like, did you need help to, to, like, put them on or, like, in terms of functionality, like, how are things? No, it was actually sound. It's the first couple of months is a, is a little bit tricky in terms of getting used to the, the feel of the stump and things like that in the socket. But thankfully, no, it was, you know, it was October when I got the surgery and it was about seven or eight months later was when I was going to America. So I was well, well used and, you know, uh, came accustomed to the, the feeling of it and I was well used to walking around kind of long enough distances. Yeah. And just, yeah, I managed okay. We were getting Ubers and that everywhere, which helped. But uh, no, I was well able to walk around and thankfully got around no problem at all for the whole summer. No, because it's interesting to me because when I, like I did um, mechanical engineering in college because I just love how shit works, right? And like one of the studies yeah. you did was on, I did it on, um, on like, um, Prosthetic, like prosthetic knees and hips, do you know what I mean? But that's more so mm. when you're in your 60s and it needs to be replaced. And and I yeah. dabbled a bit into learning around prosthetics, you know, and and the bionics side of things, because there was a there was a section in my uh, perspective that I didn't excel in, which was robotics, right? And, right. and I don't know, like, in terms of bodily function, what you're able to do, but depending on, like, let's say if it's lower, lower arm or leg or whatever, it depends on how many nerve endings are left. Would that be right? And you can trigger muscles yeah. to, to move the, the arm or the leg. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm working on at the moment with. That's kind of the, the main trigger for the GoFundMe at the moment is that the, the arm I'm working on, I've unfortunately had a bit of bad luck with trying to uh, get prosthetics that actually work for my stump because it was, do you know what I was saying to you about the skin issues I had prior to the amputation? Yes. So because of those skin issues, it's making it more difficult for me to get a working prosthetic for, you know, for inside the socket because there's so much scarring underneath. Okay. So it's just now I'm kind of, you know, how many years down the line, what you said, 12 years down the line, I'm still working on trying to get one. So they've finally picked out an arm for me now in Autobach down in a Catholic clinic in Dublin. So they picked out this arm that they think will be a one that will work for me and, and, and allow for my skin issues. So that's the one that's costing over 100 grand to actually get. Okay. So that was the kind of, t- you know, the real uh, driver for me to actually, I hated, as much as I hated to start that GoFundMe, I just had to do it at that time to, to get this arm and, and have it for, for when I started my recovery. Well, the story is nothing but compelling because, like, I, I've talked to a couple of people about it only in the last couple of days in terms of it's phenomenal. Like, the the resilience that you have, um, it kind of puts everything else that, you know, me just taking everything for granted, you know, in terms of use. And, but you know, I, I have all my arms and my legs, you know what I mean? Um, and I'd be yeah. giving out about stupid stuff. So, um, yeah. 
So what's the prognosis so for for going forward? Because I know that some um, prosthetics and even bionic arms, uh, depending on your condition, may have to be changed in the future. Is that something that you have to allow for? Uh, it is, yeah. A lot of the sockets would change inside that, you know, whether it's you grow or you shrink or whatever it might be. It, it's, they don't always change the or stay the same size, especially with, with leg stumps um, in the beginning. So they do change quite rapidly rapidly in the very beginning. But at the, at the, for the moment, the, the socket for my arm prosthetic now that I'm getting shouldn't change too much. But even if it does change, it's actually just the socket you, that you can replace rather than actually just replacing the expensive arm. Okay. So they're able to do a bit of work on just putting in a new socket. It takes, it takes a couple of weeks or whatever, but it just saves you having to fork out another 100 grand every time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does still be a cost involved, I would assume. And Yeah, oh, there will. Yeah, there's costs with everything, unfortunately, with prosthetics, but it's just it wouldn't be as extreme, you know, when you fork out for the actual uh, yeah, electronic they, they change, side of things. They change, like, the receptors on the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So the, the GoFundMe is, is, is um, it's going well. Right, I'm looking at it here today, and it's we're we're six days in, and we have to allow for a couple of bi- of bionic pieces. Is that right? Yeah, in the beginning, it's just uh, it is just the actual overall arm that I'll be yeah. buying uh, in the next couple of weeks. I've just got fitted for it there at my last appointment up in Kappa, but overall, it's that whole arm is going to cost about a hundred thousand. That's the original payment, and then as I did outline in my GoFundMe piece, it's. Uh, it's just different things after that. It's you know when you get it when you're down to a triple amputation, unfortunately cars are, are a very difficult one to maneuver. So it's a, a very very modified car is what I'd be looking at getting in order to be insured to actually drive. Yeah. So what they've said is that you do need a working prosthetic arm to actually be able to maneuver some of these um, altercations in the in the in the car. So it's that on top of uh, the arm and then. Obviously, when I when I do go down the route of getting the amputation in September, it's trying to get the the little different pieces as I need them to to be able to get up and moving straight away. Absolutely, and like I'll share it obviously, and and the people in Drew's Golf will share it, and the people in Seaton and involved in the podcast here will all share it, and it's going well in terms of we have an overall goal of you know big money, and it's big money to kind of give you the functionality for the next few years in life. It's not even far life, you know, because body changes and needs change. Uh, and we're 194,000 yeah. raised in five days. It's phenomenal. Um, it's absolutely incredible now, to be honest. I'm, myself and my family are just completely blown away by the support. Like, you know, obviously we we knew it was a huge amount of money to be asking for. What we envisaged was it was going to be, you know, weeks to slash months right up to September before we reached the goal. And just to think that we're nearly, we're nearly looking at re- reaching the goal at the moment is just crazy. And it just shows just shows how generous and kind people have been over the last few days to, you know, whether it's friends and family or people that I don't even know, everybody just happy to chip in when they, you know, when they recognise that somebody's in need of a bit of support. Everybody has come straight away in, in abundance with that too. So it's it's incredible. Oh, absolutely. I'd call out to anybody listening to this podcast. It, it, it's not massive, but it, but it's it's more than zero. Um, you know, to hit the link, it'll be in the, the show notes here. It'll be on my Instagram for the next couple of weeks. In my bio, it's in it's in Charlie's bio. So get on there and, you know, from anything you have, you know, the price of a pint to, you know, some people are putting the price of small cars, you know. So it's unbelievable the the, the generosity of people these days. And it's, it's you know, it's better spent here than, than on, you know, down the drain in, in, I know, beer gardens or whatever the weekend. But, like, give this, give to somebody. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that either now. <laughs> there isn't. But, like, you know, let, let's, you know. Maybe everybody not go out this weekend and and support Charlie and what he what he needs. It's not what he'd like to have. It's it's what he needs. 
post surgeries and post and it's, I find it hard to say it so I, I, I feel for you in terms of going through it is like a triple amputation it's, oh, it's crazy but um, you have big sights on on what you want to do in terms of opportunities once you are the bionic man running around yeah, Mayo, bionic you know? man yeah I'll change my name on Instagram to the bionic man after, after I think you September should. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think you should yeah, no, I definitely, I do have my eye on a di- couple of different things. Like, I, I was big into cycling there about this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a bit of a fundraiser, I think it was around this time last year, for the, the Pink Ribbon Society for the Breast Cancer Ireland. So I was able to, at that point, I was I did a 50k cycle on the on just on a stationary bike up in the, in the house. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's just deteriorated now as well with the pain and discomfort in the legs that I'm not really able to do any cycling at the moment. So... That's no more than golf. That's very high up on my list to be able to get cracking on that again when I'm back and recovered, uh, hopefully as quickly as possible. I'd say you'd be. I, I'd say once you get up and, and running and cycling and golfing, uh, you'll put it up to any man or woman. Um, given your mindset, it's phenomenal. Um, all, all I can say is, look, your story definitely struck a chord with me, and I'll give you as much support as I can give in my own in my own little way. Um, and, and, and more power to you, do you know what I mean? And and thanks for everybody. It's, it's not my funders, it's Charlie's, but I, I can't get over the generosity so uh, and so quickly yeah, as well. That's for um, sure. But it goes to show that, you know, people, pe- you know, pe- <laughs> people, so, some people know where priorities lie in, and it's definitely in, in, in causes like yours. Um, yeah. Everyone who comes on the show, Charlie, has to answer, has to go through the, the quickfire Q&A, right? Uh, right? And I don't know if you've listened before, so... Don't worry I, if, you, if, you, yeah. if you take a second. <laughs> we'll yeah. the answers. So I don't know, during hospital stays or through rehabs, and, and I can only imagine the gym sessions and stuff that you have to go through in, in terms of how difficult they are, in terms of um, reinvigorating life back into your body and getting things to move that necessarily don't want to or can't move just yet. But maybe you listen to a songs or, or songs to get you through things or, or to get you up in the morning. So Charlie Gannon, what would your walk-on song be? I think Run This Town has always been, uh, I know somebody was fighting against Conor McGregor one time and he had it on and uh, I just got a bit of a chill in the back of my neck. So I think that was the song that I said. If I was ever fighting somebody, that's the song. Run This Town by Kanye West and who else? I don't know, Rihanna, I think. Oh, we'll find the Kanye one. We'll find the Kanye one. Yeah. Jim yeah. or Pizza, Charlie? Which, which type of fella are you? Jim or Pizza? Uh, Jim. Oh man, hat, visor, or Keelan Rafferty bucket hat? Which is your choice? Uh, I like the bucket hat on holidays. Absolutely, it's a bucket hat every yeah. day of the year if, if you can get the weather. Yeah. And, and where you tend to play golf yeah. over in the Algarve, absolutely. Um, yeah. Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Happy Gilmore. Le Hinch or Port Marnock? Le Hinch. Good man, and, and we'll play it. And you tell me when yeah. you want to. Walk or cart? Uh, cart. Win the Masters or win the Open? Win the Masters. Why? Uh, I just always loved the Masters more more so than anything else uh, when I was a young fella. So when Tiger winning it there in 2019 as well gave me more of a love to win it. So someday, hopefully. <laughs> someday. Someday is right. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Play or practice? Play. And this this is one, and I, I'm assuming if you're if you're into into books or reading or, or just generally into people, um, it's more of a question about who you'd have at dinner, Charlie. So it's after a day, it might be hopefully a day a day cycling, 
or, or running or, or playing golf with your family and you have dinner that evening and there are six people you're allowed to invite six people so you're at the top six of the table people. three people down the left three people down the right who are they anyone famous dead alive fictional you go for it uh, who's at Charlie Gannon's dinner table Paulie Carrington number one he's always been very very good to me down through the years so he's great company as well so I would say Paulie Carrington great Tiger name. Woods <laughs> Yeah, Paul Carrington, Tiger Woods, uh, Conor McGregor, uh, LeBron James. What's that four? That's four, and there's four leaders for you. Keep going. Uh, Ronaldo five, and Denzel Washington six. That's some table. I think that's the best table we've had. To be fair, yeah, Tigers on most of them. To be fair, Tim, but I think you've you've a good spread there. What do we yeah. for dinner? What's the champions' dinner? Champions dinner, I would say. You can't beat a roast chicken. Watch oh, you're a man after your own heart. Yeah. <laughs> Come here to me. Thanks for your time. I know you're on your lunch break, as am I. Um, I wish you all the all the best and support. I'll be keep driving this as, as much as I can. Uh, I would encourage anyone who's listening to this or sees this on on, on the socials, on the on the internet, on the interwebs, to, to share it and get behind it. And Charlie, we'll have a game of golf, and you tell me when you want to play, and we'll sort it out. Fair play to you, Paddy. I appreciate you giving me the, the time and support, and uh, thanks for having me on. No problem at all. We'll tee it up soon. Uh, yeah, we chat soon, Paddy. Flan. All right. That was Charlie Gannon. All I can say is what an inspirational person he is. 24 years of age, and possibly the strongest, most resilient person I've had the pleasure of speaking to in how many, however many episodes we've done so far. Thank you for listening. Do one thing. Do two things for me, please. This week, Irish Open Week. Share Charlie's Go For Me. And if you can, donate what you can. See you here next week. Until we teed up again soon, I'm Paddy.